Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Father's Day, Sunday. Glad you made it. Um, We have some special things for you. So on your way out... We have homemade brownies for you. So somebody made you brownies, and we have a festive Hawaiian backdrop. So make sure you guys get all your, uh, you know, your photos done for Father's Day. It's, it's out there, and the best news is it's free. doesn't even cost anything. Um, anyways, glad to be with you here today, excited for Father's Day, and um, we are kicking off a new book in the Bible. This is a letter to the Ephesians. Um, Pastor Paul did a great job wrapping up Galatians. So this summer we're just kind of walking through this. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me and we can kick this off. Let's pray really quick, shall we? Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for your love. We thank you how you have pursued us and our hearts and our minds are just open to receive. Um, God, help us with our unbelief and God, we, we just expect a word from you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Most of you guys know that this book was written by the Apostle Paul. It was written in 60 AD, and it was really a book that was written to the church to encourage the church, to strengthen the church, to bring unity, and also to help us identify our identity in Christ. So it talks about that. So the introduction kicks off in verses 1 and 2. It says this. Uh, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May our God and Father and the Lord of Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Um, It's a little interesting, um, noteworthy, that Paul actually was a pastor in this region for over three years. So a lot of his books will start off with an introduction to a specific person or maybe address a certain problem that's going on in that church. Um, But this book is a little different. As a matter of fact, in some early manuscripts, um, I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus. Ephesus was actually taken off. So a lot of theologians believe that this was a a letter intended for the whole region, all of of Christ's followers, because there weren't any specific introductions to anybody specific. So this book is really for the the church. Um, The next verse, verses 3 through 14 in the Greek was actually one complete sentence. So it was a complex sentence. Today it's broken up in the English just to make it a little bit more manageable. But um, it says that God, it, it talks about all that God accomplished in and through Christ, and it presents God's people with the grand divine plan of salvation. So let's check it out. And this verse is, um, this is epic. Get this. It says in verse 3, it says, I praise, uh, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Say that. Every spiritual blessing. Where is it at? It's in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ. This is just huge. So Paul says, hey, all praise be to God. He has blessed us with not only spiritual blessing, but he goes on further and he says every spiritual blessing. And where's this blessing at? It's not here on earth, but it's in a spiritual place. And why? Because we are united 
with Christ. So if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a believer, a disciple of Christ, this verse is saying that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. That is just amazing. And I can tell you're like, Sean, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I get it. We're going to talk about that. That's going to be our big, big takeaway today. But I think if I were to ask you the question, would you rather have material blessing or spiritual blessing? A lot of you, I'll oh, see, I'm already getting the right answer. But <laughs> there might be a person that's like, you know what? I'm in a mountain of debt. I need a new car. Da, da, da. I'll take the materialistic blessing. But if we, were, if we were honest with ourselves, if we made the right choice, wouldn't we choose the spiritual blessing? Something that's going to be eternal and forever? And Paul goes on. He, he continues in, in chapter uh, 1, verse 4. He says, even before God made the world... God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. How can we really understand that? In verses 3 and 4, it says that he loved us, he chose us, and he's given us every spiritual blessing in heaven. And when I said that, nobody really freaked out. <laughs> Imagine if, hypothetically, I said, hey guys... This is really big news. But I won the Powerball three weeks ago, and I just got all the funds in my checking account. It's in my bank, and I thought it'd be so fun to share half of my earning prize with you. So what I decided to do is tape a gold star underneath a chair in this sanctuary. And whoever brings me the gold star, I'm going to write him a personal check for half of my winnings. Okay? Now, this is hypothetical, but some of you are like, well, let me take it. Right? <laughs> like that would be epic news, right? So the person brings up the star. I write him a personal check for multi-millions, and I rip it, boom. And for the young people, it's not, we, had, we actually had checkbooks back then. It wasn't, I wouldn't go to my phone and Venmo you, but I would actually write a check. But then that person, right, Paul, you're thinking, you know what? It's Sunday. I can't go to the bank. Like a multi-million dollar check, you don't put that through the ATM machine, Right? <laughs> You have to wait till Monday morning to go to the bank teller. And could you imagine the expression on that bank teller? Uh, I'd like to make a deposit, please. And the bank teller, is this a joke? Like, what is this, right? And you'll have to say, well, my pastor won this money. And I mean, he's only been my pastor for a couple months now. But I think his word is true, right? Put it through. Let's see if it clears. And then every day you'd be checking to see if that fund's cleared. But then when it did... Man, wouldn't you be so amazed? You would call me and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this, right? <laughs> There's kind of a principle to what Paul's talking about in that illustration. Because you need faith to make it today, right? Do you know what the opposite of faith is? This is so great. This is so great. You'll remember this. The opposite of faith is sight, See, if I have the funds cleared and I can pull up my smartphone and check in my account that the funds are there, the need for faith goes away. All the wondering stops like I have the money, right? But right now, God says, I've given you a spiritual blessing. That requires faith. It requires faith. In heaven, when we're hanging out with Jesus, we don't need faith <laughs> because he's right there. But until we get to that place, we need faith. So 
what do I do? Is there a way that I can show you that God is faithful and he's true that we do have every spiritual blessing? That is a great question. And the Bible actually tells us this. So I'm going to answer that because the answer is there is a way that I can prove that this is true. I think another interesting part about this that we, we have been chosen um, comes in the story of Mary and the angel because the, the same word is used to say we are chosen as Gabriel, the angel, told Mary that she is chosen to bear the Messiah. It's found in Luke 1. The story starts off in chapter 1, verses 28. And Gabriel appeared to her, Mary, and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Mary, confused and disturbed, tried to think what the angel could mean. The angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have been found, you have found favor with God. So the same word there, the same concept of chosen was given to Mary as it is us today. And I think about the gravity of that encounter. Wouldn't you have loved to seen that encounter? <laughs> like, that would have been amazing. And yet, in all that it took Mary, all the trust and all the faith, she said to the angel, she says, let it be according to your word. I don't understand it. I can't process it. I'm not sure what this means, but whatever you said, I'm in. And I think about, in my mind, the way it goes is I was just like trying to think about like what would it look like if I were to have a time-traveling DeLorean and I go back in time and she's like a month away from having Jesus, the Messiah. And I'm trying to explain to Mary how big of a deal this is. Like, Mary, this is a big deal. Like, you are ushering the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Because of you, we're going to celebrate Christmas, and there's going to be cool lights, and there's going to be Hallmark movies about this. There's going to be eggnog. This is like my favorite holiday of the year, and it's because of you. And then I'm, I'm going to realize that she has no idea how to speak English. Like... I can't describe to you what this means, but what the angel said was true. Like, this is really good news. And I could see Mary, and I would have empathy towards her, because I'd see a, a teenager who's pregnant, who probably her village is talking about her, who's just struggling. It wasn't like she was blessed with all this money, and God put her in a palace with a beautiful new baby room with a rocking chair. Like, no, she was a census, and she was forced and mandated to travel. Her nursery was on a donkey, ladies. Like, that is some rough stuff. Her, her, her circumstances did not match what the angel had told her. Like, that is a challenge to tension position. But still, she was chosen, and it was great. So the good news um, continues in verses 5. Check this out. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. And this is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. You see, God could have he could have chosen us. He could have blessed us. He could have given us hope and life and healing. 
He could have even given us a salvation. But to go even farther and to say, actually, I'm going to do more and I'm going to adopt you. He, he could have done all those things without adopting us. Have you ever thought about that? But to, to adopt, to bring somebody into the family is so intimate and such a different level of, of relationship. But God did all of that. Charles Spurgeon said this. He says, if you think little of what God has done for you, then you will do little for God. If you have a great idea of his great mercy to you, then you will be greatly grateful to your gracious God. You see, I spent so many years in church just kind of sitting in the pews, and I knew God loved me, but it just seemed so distant. And I really didn't fully grasp the loving salvation and forgiveness that God gave me. But when I began to do that, I realized, like, man, I owe everything. I owe everything to God. Verse 7 says, He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. This does show um, that we have to acknowledge that Jesus was way more than just a man. That Jesus was God. He was all God and all man. And he was not just born of a man and because of his good deeds he somehow attained this spiritual divinity. But truly, he was God. Because no matter how good a man or a woman is, they couldn't live in this in this world and not sin. It took a perfect sacrifice, a sinless person to sacrifice for our Savior, or for our salvation. Um, in, at the end of this chapter, uh, in verse 22, it says this about God and Christ. It says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of who? For the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fulfills all things everywhere with himself. He was our benefit as the church. It's all because of Christ. All praise to him. Verse 8 says, he showed us his kindness. He, excuse me, he showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Isn't that wonderful? There's people in here who need wisdom and understanding. And the Bible says, hey, he has that for you. Verse 9, God has revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. Could you imagine being born in the Old Testament time? This whole concept of Messiah was just so far in the distance. They didn't understand God's miraculous plan. In verse 10, it says, And this was the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything both in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we will receive an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance or predestined us, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Like, this is, a, this is an amazing concept that before he even formed the earth, he knew that we would mess up. He knew he was going to have to send Christ to save us and to forgive us. And he chose us and he wove that mystery in his whole plan. And there's a lot of talk about predestination and all that. But as I look and I study this passage, I see that 
I conclude that Paul is writing this book and he's promoting the spirit of unity within the church. And I see Paul using the term, um, you know, predestined or chosen as towards a group of people, not necessarily like an individual's. And so I don't see Paul talking about individuals whom God has predestined or elected to save us, but it's, it's more of a group. It's both Jews and Gentiles. Like this is for us. We are benefit. Jesus is a benefit to the whole church. And we see other different areas of that, that God truly loves us. Um, you know, John three sixteen, Revelations uh, twenty two seventeen. it says, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. That God's sacrifice was for all mankind. Titus 2.11, it says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. To all people. It is for us. It's for us today. Verse 12 says, God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust, say trust, The first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. Trust can be a hard word, can it be? Um, it seems as if no matter what country you're born in, what your parents were, your trust will be tested. Your trust will be tested. And we walk by faith and not by sight. And there's things that are beyond our control. There's, there's difficult situations that we encounter that require more trust than other situations. And God is saying, hey, look, I'm with you. I'm for you. Your pain will not be wasted. Verse 13, it says, now you Gentiles who have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. Or he sealed you by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. It says you've been identified or sealed. Back in the old, uh, old cargo days and merchant days, they would have crates of their merchandise and they'd have a special seal that they put on the box of the cargo. And that proved that that was the package of the merchant. Kind of like today when we go to the airport, we put that little luggage tag on our bags. That way we know that that is our bag. God is saying, you are sealed with him. You are sealed in Christ. Your identity is in him. And this is, this is a great verse. Verse 14, it says, The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. So who's the guarantee of God's inheritance? God's Spirit, his Holy Spirit. So remember that question of how can I convince you that this is real? The guarantee of God's promises that you have been and you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies is this. It's God's spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. He gave you this saying, you know what? This is proof that all these other promises are true. It's kind of like if you ever sell something, you put something up, maybe it's a a car, a guitar, or whatever. Like, if I had a car for sale and somebody calls and says, hey, I want to come see it. They come and see it. They test drive it. And they're like, great, I want to buy it. I'm like, okay, good. Where's the money? And they're like, oh, well, here's the thing. 
I've been approved for the loan, but I have to wait till the bank opens, and then I'll get the money. And I say what, if I'm smart? I want a... I want a deposit, right? I want a little deposit because I know my phone could ring and the other person could be like, I have cash, I want to do this deal today. But if I have a deposit, that person has, you know, like they have the benefit of that. So that person gives me a deposit to show me that they're serious about this and then money will come later. So as for the deposit, does he give me five pounds of zucchini squash? No, I'm not interested in that. I want U.S. dollars. I want currency, right? And that currency represents what's to come that will be the full payment. Get this. God says my promises are real. That he's given us every spiritual blessing. And as a guarantee for that, he gives us Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is that earnest money. It's that preview. Like, who likes movies? I know you do. So if you look at the blockbuster and you see a preview and you're like, oh my gosh, that movie's for me. Like, I want to go see it, right? And it's a preview. It's like a little taste. But if I, if I watch, like, Captain America, like, the Marvel series is just daunting. Like, it's so massive if you've ever seen them. If you want to know what movie came first, just talk to Mike. He knows all about it. Right, Mike? Okay, <laughs> he does. But if I say, oh, Mike, yeah, I know all about it. I saw the preview to, like, Captain America, he'd be like, well, that was like a little tiny trailer. But you know nothing of the Marvel Universe by watching one trailer to one movie, right? That's what God's saying. He says, I have so much more for you, but just to show you this is real, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? But it does require faith. It does require trust. I love how 2 Corinthians Uh, Chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, it says, It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us, and he has identified us as his own by placing what? The Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised to us. Honestly, that didn't mean much when I was a teenager. I'm like, Holy Spirit, okay, what's that? When are we, what, what's for lunch? <laughs> That's where my, my, my mind went. But when I opened up my heart and I says, okay, God, whatever you, I, I, need, I need to know that you're real. And I began to dig into his word and God began to reveal and I finally understood what God's speaking to me looked like. That really began to open up my eyes to what this meant. That the Holy Spirit is real. That this Bible is real. That it's so tangible. This is the most important truth that I could ever share with you. And I think that's why Paul wrote this letter. He experienced the Holy Spirit in such a meaningful, passionate way. That though he was imprisoned, though his circumstances were so bleak, He didn't know what was going to happen in the future. He said, man, get a hold of this. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. God's mysterious plan has been revealed because of Christ. And he's writing, and look at how he prays for the church. He says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. 
I pray for you constantly. I pray that the glorious God would give you spiritual wisdom and insight. If only you could understand God's spirit. I pray that you would grow in your knowledge of God. He's just passionately praying. In verse 18, he says, I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand this confident hope that he has called to those of us. He says, his holy people who are rich and glorious inheritance. He's passionately praying, guys, if you could only understand, allow the Holy Spirit in your life because then you will understand this glorious hope that's ahead of us. And I'm going to kind of end on, on this little part here because in verse 18 it says, his Holy Spirit, or excuse me, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. He's talking about God in that part. It says that we are his rich and glorious inheritance. You are Tony. You are Ryan. You are Dave. You are, you are God's rich and glorious inheritance. I, I'm not sure that we can understand that. And the only thought that came to my head is like, who, who's grandparents in the house? Raise up your hands. If you're grandpa, grandma, Right? Do you struggle with trying to display and communicate your love for your grandchildren? <laughs> we had this little banter with our son who's 10 years old. And he's like, Mom, Dad, I love you way more than you love me. <laughs> We're like, that's cute. That's cute. But you don't know what you're saying because we love you way more than you love us, right? <laughs> like, there's no way that you love me more than I love you, right? So as grandparents, like, you have toddlers who are, are running around, and you're just like, I can't even communicate. I don't have language to describe how much love I have for you. Like, what you mean as a person, what you mean and represent and embody all the prayers, and, like, it is just, like, so deep. But can we, like, translate that to them? No, they're like, can we go for ice cream? So you're like, heck yeah, let's go to McDonald's. Like, woo, yeah. And you buy them a $2 soft serve. Like, like God is saying that you, that his church, we are his rich and glorious inheritance. That's amazing. Isn't that wonderful? That God loves us like that. And we can't fully understand that. As we close and, and the band can come up, I, I just want to give us a space because I believe that Paul said that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of future things to come. And though I don't understand what all of our spiritual blessings look like, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, I don't know what that means to me. It sounds really good. I believe it. <laughs> But I want to grab hold of God's guarantee, which is Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to give to you. I'm like, Paul, I'm like, God, please just let them feel your presence. Let them experience, give them spiritual understanding of who you are. And so right now we have a moment, and I'm, I'm just praying that God's Holy Spirit would just minister to you.
in a special way, however you need it today. Maybe you're sad. Maybe you're doing well. Maybe you need healing. But I know that God's Spirit wants to bless you. And I want it to be a confident reminder that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. So you can sit in your seat, you can stand, but for some of you, I want to invite you, just as we play that one song again, come to the altar. If you're hungry for God, I want you to come forward just as an act saying, God, whatever you have for me, I want to taste this guarantee of your spirit. So let's go ahead and sing.